A little warning, most of our episodes are for adult ears only with frequent droppage of the F-bomb. I'm Roisin Bevan. And I'm Daisy Grant. And this is Harness. Since Harness was released a couple of months ago, we've been working on a few bonus episodes. We were so blown away by the response to Harness. We were fascinated to see what different themes resonated with people and we're really, really grateful for staying with us throughout the episodes. We just felt like we just wanted to round it off with a little bit more spice. This week's episode was with sex educator, Instagrammer, writer, Ruby Rare who I was so excited to interview because I've been following her. Well, we've been following her for a long time and what she brings to Instagram. So you did introduce me to her, Stacey, I yeah, have to say. I mean, I've, I've wanted to interview her since the beginning of Harness because I think what you she... You have. Yeah, she uses her platform in such an interesting way. Is so open. She's opened my eyes to a lot of things. She's just really cool. Mm. Uh in the truest sense of the word, I don't mean like, I'm so cool. I mean, in the sense of, I think what defines coolness is when someone is just completely authentic She's and they just so fly their own authentic. path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really feels like you feel very relaxed in her company because what you see is what you get. There's no pretense there. She came in, she was just so lovely, so willing to chat. And we had some snacks. We had some gin and tonics, got a little bit loosey-goosey. We spoke a lot about incest. We did. And I want to be clear that we're not promoting it. No. It was no. just like we need to have a discussion. Why sweep it under the rug? <laughs> we can talk yeah, about it. Yeah, and she doesn't sweep anything under the rug Mm-mm. and it's very cool. So she uh, she's a bit of a, a treat for us as well as Alana who's in another episode she is one person who we haven't spoken to on Harness before. So mm. she's an excellent one. If you don't follow her on social media, you have to because you will feel so uplifted, but you'll actually learn a shit ton as well Hell about yeah. sex, body confidence, about sex toys. She does. Lo- if you're based in London, she does loads and loads of talks. We uh, had the absolute pleasure of attending her, her talk. Pleasure. The, uh, uh, pleasure uh, of her talk, uh, uh, it, Ruby Rare's Guide to Porn, which we spoke about a little bit on our Instagram. Uh, it was so fascinating. I feel like it really changed our minds about perception. yeah, our perception yeah. about because a lot I of think things around the porn industry and the impact of the porn industry. We love other people talking about sex, but we don't like, necessarily talk about me. it. Tell me all yes. about it, but also it's yeah, but me we out. don't really talk. Yeah, we kind of share that. So it was funny and she really kind of pushed us a bit to go to some sort of funky town places. I'm already getting uncomfortable. Um, We also got her to answer some of your questions, which was really fun to do. Yeah. So thank you for sending those in. We picked our top three. They were brilliant. So thanks, guys. Enjoy this episode. Um, And as I said, if you don't follow her, you get on that. Right now. Yeah, your 2020 resolution is to follow Ruby Rare. Mm, you'll learn some shit. And get a new sex toy, maybe. Look! Is there a doggy? Enjoy the episode, everyone. Yeah, enjoy the episode. <gasps> doggy! Bye. Bye. bye! bye! Bye, 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 Okay, do you want to know something funny? What? My mum said to me today, she was like, good luck with interviewing Ruby Mare. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, incredible. I was like, I'm going to tell you something. I She's am. Like, no. I am Ruby Mare. <laughs> Welcome, Ruby. Welcome to Harness. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good today. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. We're really Happy. excited to have you here. Um, we followed you for a really long time. I really love your Instagram. For those who don't follow you or haven't heard of you, why what not? Is it that you... Yeah, why not? Yeah, are you fucked? <laughs> we met, um, just, sorry. I know wow. it's first cab off the ring and I'm on, like interrupting city, station. but we met we Ruby at the train station and she was like a pink vision who um, mm. came up the escalator. And this was in honour. Mm, I kind of feel like I should wear the coat if we're filming it because I realise now I look really boring and like I'm just wearing a black pearl neck and I'm like no I had a the coat was the piece the coat do you want to put the coat on on? nah I'll get really hot and sweaty (laughs) (laughs) we'll do some pics in the coat the coat's great yeah yeah Yeah, I think that's because you need to see the vision the vision vision that we saw uh, vision Uh, it's important to me it is no it's aesthetics are so important clearly because your hair is like the brightest pink ever and it's amazing and I love it what do you do who are you oh gosh give us a quick little well it doesn't have to be quick it can be long if you want I don't care (laughs) so I am a sex educator that's the main thing well that's kind of the umbrella term of everything that I do that takes many different forms so I work for Brooke which is an amazing sexual health charity in the UK and I now run a project called Let's Talk Period which is all around period poverty and like giving out products and education so that by day I'm kind of like uh, official sex education <laughs> serious sex by serious day. sex only serious very earnest sex and then by <laughs> by night I do a what lot more work <laughs> I do crazy sex well I, maybe I do who knows yeah. no everyone knows I do <laughs> but uh, I do lots of freelance work that works with adults a little bit more so I live a portion of my life online on Instagram and I get naked and I'm very colorful and talk about sex a lot on there but I do loads of different things so the main thing is I run monthly talks at the book club which is an amazing venue in Shoreditch mm. so they're like loads and loads of different topics um you came to the porn one yeah we were right? lucky well, enough to come to your most recent one which was on porn it was a good in that one it I was liked awesome. it fantastic although did you know I <laughs> Oh God, the talk went really well. I was a fucking mess that week. I was about to move house. I had a like horrendous migraine, migraine. while yes. I was doing that talk. You I don't know why tell. I, yeah. Well, anyway. what a professional because you were amazing. And Thanks. it was a brilliant talk. I would recommend if you can to go to any of Ruby's talks mm. uh, because it was fun and engaging, but it was quite challenging, you know, as well. And I definitely walked away feeling like I'd shifted some of my preconceived ideas or opinions. It was so informative. And yeah, it definitely did make us think a lot, like you said, and we, it was really nice to come away and have so much so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awesome. Can you tell the peoples uh, why they should pay for porn? Yeah. <laughs> I can. Should I they? Want, they should, yes. Everyone should pay for... Everyone who why? Is, everyone who's able to should pay for porn. So many people who are still engaged in like sex positive, super like progressive thinking spaces have never thought about it, which is like why it's one of those real underground things. So you did a poll. What and is it, was, it? And the people who follow you are yeah, exactly. progressive. Like, like, yeah, all and- of those, everyone who follows me wants to hear about this mm-hmm. and is engaged in the conversation to an extent. And I did a poll asking lots of different questions, but the, the most interesting one was, do, do you pay for your porn or at least some of it? And I think it was 96% of people said they don't. Mm. And that's that's kind of within this community, within this sex positive yeah. circle. There's no hope that other people are doing that. And I mean, that's not true. Because people who are really invested in 
some porn performers or certain genres of porn will be the most likely to go out and really want to invest in that and to support the, sure. pe- the performers that they love. And that can be within ethical or feminist porn, but it can be within like any type of porn. I've been to some great like sex bows, which is like an expo, but sex. Yeah. And, a, and a big part of that is porn performers who have a booth and it's kind of meet and greet. And that is really lovely. It's nice that there's a community within that of people really choosing to engage with the people who make the content that they love. That was one of the things that you said in the talk that stuck with me as well about following your favorite porn performers mm. like on Instagram and stuff because it's like you need to see them. That is their work and you need to see them as people as well and not just objects. But I guess there's, um, a, there's a shame attached to people about they have to get over their own shame in order to openly follow and support yeah. the the porn stars that the, is can we say porn stars is that still a term you can say porn stars i get i porn say i tend to say porn mm. performance just like language moves and evolves like yeah I guess saying porn sex workers, saying bit... porn performers, that feels like kind of where we're at right now with porn language. Porn stars least women rushing. Oh, God, I'm done with the first one. No, but it's, I think that's, it's not bad, don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of, I, it is a bit like, I don't know, it's not, it's not adding the weight. The language doesn't actually convey the weight of what they're doing, which, as you said in your talk, they are fucking athletes, let's face it. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, what just... Keep unpacking that. What? Why? Why should we be paying for porn? And what? Why is it bad that that only uh, three or four percent of your followers are paying for They're their not porn? Doing it. So first thing is go and listen to the podcast "The Butterfly Effect" by John Ronson because that is. Have either of you listened to I it? I listened to it immediately after your it's, talk. Oh, and it's, it's a good one. I listened to that, and then I listened to the last days of August, which is the mm-hmm. one that follows yeah, yeah. it. Um, I haven't. Fascinating. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, well, it's so the good. Por- the porn industry is so complex and fascinating, and it's getting more and more uh, publicity, which I think is really positive. But for so long, it's been this kind of entity separate from everything else so porn is as if not more influential than the music industry film industry fashion art whatever all of these creative mediums but it's it kind of lives in a separate universe and so I think we undermine how influential it is and not in just negative ways in so many ways in terms of tech like porn is the industry that drives the tech that we use in this fascinating way and I don't know, I've just, I just got really excited in my mind why, about tech. Why, and was what, like, ah, why, my why, what's the connection there? What? Well, in terms of using um, like AI and VR, porn is one of the industries that's at the forefront. What, like when you, sex robots and things like that? Yeah, love dolls, definitely. But that's I mean, something, it's even, but it's but like sex toys that use AI to uh, track of course. like patterns in people's pleasure and arousal, okay. that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm like with you. all Bluetoothy, being able to wank with someone across I the mean, other side of the world. This is actually something that I've only come across this this weekend. I know I keep interrupting the very answer that I keep asking of you. Babe, go keep going. Um, is a sex toy for women which tracks your orgasms. Mm-hmm. And then can and if you put in all the details about when the all the context around the orgasm, it can then spit out like a formula to tell you where you're going to get your best orgasm from. Mm. Isn't that a, crazy? Yeah, it's cool. Is this is this new or is this just me? It's been happening under a for rock? a while. I think what will happen is that this kind of tech will get more and more accessible because right. I mean, it's changing already. But a couple of years ago, when it was becoming something we were talking about a bit more, it was only the really high end products that were providing this and now I think we'll see more people having access to it which is good I mean I love sex toys but also you have to be aware of how much you're consuming and be kind of sure all of this is amazing 
but not everyone needs to access this necessarily because it's also you know a lot of sex toys are made of plastic and sure you know, not so, yeah. blah, 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 all that kind of stuff but the sex toy industry is amazing i'm not trying yeah. to knock that but i guess same with the porn industry in that there's an ethical and non-ethical way to consume it so yeah. porn and the porn industry and all its different like variations i am super interested in and feel very positive about and think is a real can be a real force for good but i guess the internet and the way that we have we are now mindlessly consuming porn for free that's the issue that i have Mm -hmm. because up until 2007 you generally had to pay for the porn that you consumed or if not it would be like a really small percentage of people who were finding it online for free Mm. now that Pornhub has been around for over 10 years it's really changed the game there are loads of different um there are loads of other like free tube sites like Pornhub but Pornhub's like the most recognizable and and by far the biggest one Pornhub owns most of the other ones yeah the company who owns Pornhub own I think seven of the top 10 free tube sites so Mm -hmm. there's this massive monopoly on the on the industry and first of all what that does is it means that the people who are the people who are making the algorithms which decide what we see on free tube sites there's a very small pool of those people and in a way that is dictating sexual desires and fantasies in the porn that people are watching that was one of the most interesting things in the john ronson podcast because it was like how the the people who had started um porn hub were so fascinated in the algorithms and so excited about what they could Mm -hmm. do and the keywords and the buzzwords that they could use to bring people in and how that was really that was all the part that they had in the porn industry and they didn't really (laughs) pay attention to any other elements it was just like the algorithms mm. kind of like and Mark Zuckerberg when he created Facebook exactly. it's, it's like it's yeah. all all of these things are designed by tech geeks and mm-hmm. that actually it's the tech that they want like this could be huge and it could be about fucking gardening and they would be sure, as interested in yeah. it it's just that porn was the thing that worked for them yeah, yeah. So most of the videos that you get on Pornhub will, the titles will just be full of buzzwords only. It will be like cheerleader, orgy, fucked by something, mm, gangbang, duh, 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 yeah. duh, like suppose, all of that stuff. This is why I kind of went to your talk almost with a little bit of trepidation because I was like, I hope she doesn't ignore she being you, you know. <laughs> I hope she In doesn't. The past. I was like grumpy me. I hope she doesn't ignore all of the problematic elements of porn. And when I got there, I was like, "Hey, shut up, Grandma!" And you made it really clear that you weren't going to delve into the, into those aspects because there are some really fucking grim aspects. Yeah. And that's what you challenged me to do: is to just take a step back and think about it, just reframe it. Yeah. Um, my, I guess my argument with that yeah. is that. Most, all of the porn that is consensually made, because there's a very big difference between what you see on camera and what you see off camera. I'm Mm. much more interested in what is off camera. I wish it was more visible. I wish it was on camera that we're seeing that consent. We're seeing the conversations around contraception, STI prevention, like the welfare of performers and, and like the other crew who work on porn, on porn sets. But if, as long as all of that is in check, my argument, I guess, is that Whatever the content of that porn, if it's viewed by someone who has had the opportunity and the education to think about porn as an entity that is part of their sex life, but not the only thing that's driving their sexual desires and their understandings about sex relationships online and offline, I think any of that porn is going to be like a a really fine and safe thing to consume. Mm -hmm. It's just that we're not providing education to go alongside all of this. Like if if you're into like 
really hardcore bukkake gangbangs. I'm all for that. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm. But so a lot of the time people can end up kink shaming of being like, it's so aggressive. It's so demeaning to women. Yes. Yeah. Which is what I was like, doing. On a, with a, and there's totally an argument for that. I'm not disagreeing with it at all. But I think the education around it is the thing that we can, one, do something about. And two, is the thing that we should be... I guess it's just more of a holistic approach. Yeah, and you were saying very much about, you know, I I guess in line with education and that the fantasy world, if we were all brought into this understanding that this was fantasy, then it would be enshrined in that safe fantasy realm. are an element of one's sexuality rather than being its entirety, right? Yeah, I I think the issue is that lots of people will start to watch porn and they are exposed to something that is pretty hardcore straight away without any of the notion of like the nuance of the fact that sex can be so many things including that but mm, yes. way way beyond and different to that as well and, and I think it's just that that initial thing where and I'm sure a lot of women and men too uh feel a little bit disturbed or taken aback by even if they are like sexually turned on by it but how much you know on those free hardcore sites is just like I want to fuck my sister and I want to fuck my, you know, adolescent cousin and I just want to fuck her hard. And it's just all like a bit. And then the thing that you said in your talk as well was that, no, it's not even that, it's stepsister. Yeah, and you were like, porn is too scared to actually go full incest. <laughs> it's like, like it's 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 like so close to incest, but it's like I'm gonna be your stepdad. I'm gonna be your like yeah, yeah, step yeah. But I'm brother. Not your actual dad. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. It's funny how the human mind works because I think we're like we're so close to that. Yeah, it's one of the final few like real taboos that I think porn can exercise because yeah. we think like 15 years ago, anal yeah. sex in hetero porn was like quite a taboo whereas now that's seen as something that's really normal and there are so many examples of that but incest porn is just the the thing still that like is really ticking people's boxes do you think that's why it's so rampant across like porn sites yeah i think so the last taboo almost or one of them (laughs) yeah what what else is a taboo like if when incest stops being a taboo which is problematic in itself uh (laughs) what's 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 next what's next i don't know i don't know We'll have to see. We'll yeah. find out. Um, can we reschedule in uh, another uh, podcast for 15 years time, please? Yeah, and then we'll be like, remember when incest was weird? <laughs> Even me, it. I'll be like, I'm in a polyamorous like yeah. constellation with all my family. Come, <laughs> Come here, granny. Yeah. <laughs> me and my sister have uh, a lot of jokes about that because we are incredibly close. She's mm. fucking brilliant. We look very similar. And we're also, we're both queer. And yeah. so, and we're really affectionate and we like hold hands when we walk down the street yeah. and we play a game a lot of like going to a party and being like, do they think we're a couple? Do they think we're sisters? Yeah. <laughs> and I think I play, yeah. we play, uh, not you and I, me and my sister play a very similar game because yeah. we are, as you described, very close and we look different enough that people will be like, are they sisters or are they lovers? Yeah. But, we, but we, now, we now joke a lot about incest in a way that we think is really funny and everyone <laughs> yeah. else around us is like, you're getting really close yeah, to the bone now. Yeah, and we, but we, I, I don't know, maybe in 15 years time, I'll be <laughs> like, I, my life partner is my sister. <laughs> I mean, it would be, it would really uncomplicate things, I feel yeah, like, you know, yeah. in a relationship, you could be so direct. And okay, if we just look at this, seriously for a second okay i can't believe i'm I'm about to defend incest what's happening but like you know if you're taking reproduction out out of the equation what are 
the moral implications of fucking your sibling. Because that's the problem, isn't it? It's like the <laughs> procreation <laughs> element. I, there are still, I'm, I still, I think oh, I'm, I'm getting images. I don't think I want to fuck my sister. Let's just <laughs> put that out there now. Let's edit that bit out, Daisy. But it's, <laughs> no, I don't. In. You, no, 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 just, just the bit where she says, I don't want to fuck my oh, okay. sister. <laughs> and let's just put um, it on a loop. Just in case. Just <laughs> like, don't leave it out just in case. So change your mind. Yeah. But it's, well, it's, I want to keep it open, you know. It's an interesting concept, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is, and that it's is like the problem. That's the stigma, and like the reason that you don't fuck your family is yeah. because. And there's definitely your a difference kids all go between wrong. the people who are in the same generation as you compared to like older or younger relatives. Like, let's mm. let's definitely not go there. That's like a hard, well, exactly. Hard, yes, hard no. that's, that's sibling, abuse siblings. of power. Siblings is a hard no. Still, if, if you have a, the same, you're another, saying it's a harder no. We'll it's an even hard. I'd actually argue hardest Yeah. So you're saying if the power, if you have this equal power, yeah. then that opens up a whole interesting equal can power. of worms. Yeah. I, I regret going down this path. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, whatever. Why not? Let's talk about it. Did you say that a lot of the main free porn sites as well, they rip material from yeah. and then they splice it all up so you just literally get the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, three minutes. Yeah. And nothing else. And there's zero context, as you were saying before. The context is really important. The main, we have danced around this question so much. The most important reason why you should not watch porn on tube sites is because it's stolen content. Because Mm -hmm. it's, do you remember, did either of you grow up in the UK? Until I was 12. Do you remember when you bought a VHS, that video, that, um anti-pirating advert that was like you wouldn't steal a car you wouldn't steal a wallet well it's that's kind of we've grown out of that with film but i would argue that's still really important in terms of porn because it's a marginalized community and porn stars can make and performers and directors and all Mm. that stuff they are limited to the amount of revenue that they can bring in separate from the films that they perform or produce or whatever so i don't know Lady Gaga, yeah, sure, everyone's, like, downloading her albums illegally, but she can make a fucking killing going on a world tour. Yeah. Porn performers can't do that on quite the same scale, so I think it's really important to respect the content that you are consuming. And also, just if you think of yourself as a sex-positive, porn-positive person, it's really hypocritical if you're yeah. just stealing the content and and not only stealing people's content, but also ma- making the people who are destroying the livelihoods of those porn performers like you're you're making them profit more mm. like that's that thing feels that's really complicated yes. to me and i bet you there's so many people who consume porn on the reg who are like oh i feel so ashamed about that and i hate that and i hate the porn industry but would never consider paying for porn yeah. so pay for porn the moral of the story please pay, pay for, for your porn it's not that expensive and actually i think it can harness a much more harness <gasps> i was just gonna <laughs> it can it can harness a much more positive relationship you have with porn because you have to actually do some research you have to figure out what it is you want to watch well, so you feel a, a lot of people don't think about, about that yeah mm. it's i think having a relationship to porn outside of just watching it can be very positive and rather than going onto a porn site and opening a hundred tabs and being like, nope, not into that, nope, not into that, nope, not into that, you are actually going out of your way to mm. research and find out. Bit also, of an insight there. Uh, yeah, welcome to my life. <laughs> Hello. No, it's a, it, Everyone does that, don't oh, worry. Don't shame me, Roisin. <laughs> <laughs> shame me. Um, <laughs> I sound like I'm being really serious, but I'm not. Um, what I was going to say was, you know how you were saying, like, oh, the 
you rip the three minutes and it's like the wham bam thank you ma'am but that's also meant to send you to those sites where you can pay for the porn supposedly yeah. right but now i guess that's just created a culture of people getting used to getting off of those quick acts and like you said no context around it yeah. right yeah. which is like fascinating that like our sexual appetites are changing when people are still trying to get us to pay for porn and we're we're not instead of paying for porn we're literally changing the way that just our bodies respond it, yeah. to it it's amazing but like mm. fucked <laughs> you know yeah it's true sorry i didn't really that wasn't really a question that was just a comment from my mind no it's all yeah i think that's that's kind of where i am at with porn because not many people are having those conversations mm. you get lots of people who just want to talk about the negatives you get lots of people who really want to talk about the positives and then it's mostly performers themselves and people in the industry who are involved in ethical porn who talk about this aspect and i think we should be lifting up and lifting up their voices that doesn't make any sense like yeah. amplify, amplifying yeah. their voices as much as possible because that's really important for sure ruby mm-hmm. can we talk about monogamy yeah what are your thoughts we could talk about non-monogamy as well i'd like <laughs> to talk about both please about both of them please yeah yeah what do you want to know i mean broad strokes i don't really know where to begin because i suppose I've never been in a non-monogamous relationship and I guess I'm how do you how do you do 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 it (laughs) (laughs) help me uh yeah that's how I feel about it yeah no I can help that's cool I like talking about this me and a lot of my friends I feel like we're often like I really respect people who can be in non-monogamous like open relationships but I just can't do it myself so it's like that's the general consensus, I think, isn't mm. it? Because people don't aren't willing to try. Yeah, it. it's like great in theory, but uh-huh. do you think we are? I suppose let's start here. Do you think human beings are naturally monogamous or no, not? No, they're not naturally monogamous. We're probably not inherently naturally non-monogamous either. But ninety-nine point nine percent of the values that we have in most cultures. Let's talk broadly like western cultures right now uh around relationships is social and i think it's really interesting when you read arguments kind of going further back in time and thinking about the kind of where we are in our like prehistoric minds like mm. hundreds of thousands of years ago hundreds of thousands yeah 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 let's let's just say that but we have constructed a number of societies where monogamy is like fundamental to keeping them around Mm. and a lot of that is around keeping people in check so and that's all genders that's not just women it but uh, historically in terms of like western culture monogamy became important and was really linked to marriage when we started owning and talking about land and like who owned what Mm. and marriage was a way of formalizing those things linking it back to incest for a second Mm -hmm. this was a like when we're, we're kind of talking like medieval times and a bit later than that people families if they had loads of land and they were like i don't want to fucking give this to anyone else then they would marry within their family right because then in terms of a dowry or like exchanging things you just keep it, it keep it all in the family yeah, yeah, yeah. and in those contexts you know in those contexts and many others it was very likely that marriage was just seen as like a family transactional thing 
and you would have that and you would kind of create a bit of a dynasty together but the expectation particularly for men but not always only for men was that you would get your kind of sensual intimate sexual romantic experiences elsewhere so marriage was seen as something that was like super super practical and what has mm. happened over time is that we've put the expectation that marriage and long-term monogamous relationships should be your own little mini dynasty so you're doing all your like financy house stuff together but also that that is the person who needs to be your soulmate your best friend the one person you're going to fuck for the rest of your mm. life and that's just too much pressure yes. that's too much i mean i'm a busy person and i'm i'm guilty of not valuing my friends enough and not spending enough time with them but non-monogamy is definitely something that's made me value my friends so much more because really? yeah because i think at the core of non-monogamy is the honest realization that no one is ever going to complete you no one is going to be that mm. one other person the yin to your yang that that doesn't really exist and it's it's quite unhealthy to think of yourself as that it's quite unhealthy because what that creates is lots of people who are kind of walking around life feeling like a mm. half rather than a whole and mm. we're all holes. So at the core of non-monogamy to you is self-acceptance, I guess, mm. in a way. Yeah. Which is, that's and, really beautiful. And like realism as well. I mean, yeah. also, mm. hey, child of divorce. Like, that's, it's, <laughs> it's, a funny, it's a funny thing when that happens and you're like, marriage is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but Fuck I, you, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> but if you waved a magic wand and you just were able to kind of take away pain and shame, which is on both parts for people who cheat, mm -hmm. um, then I suppose so many people who would be instantly happier or, yeah. um, you know, to, just to be able to lift that and like, guys, we're all going to redo that contract. Yeah. And it's, and you it, know, and how much shame even, would It's would not go. even that like, uh, that's my belief. So therefore everyone should be dating and sleeping with multiple people throughout their lives. Mm. Like, it's just the mindset that you go into relationships with. So if you are monogamous, don't be monogamous but blind. You have to be active about what you want out of relationships and talk to your partner about that because you, we often take for granted what we mean by monogamy and it does mean different things for different people. Sure, yeah. Mm. When you get yeah. to non-monogamy, that's it's not just one thing. Non-monogamy is like a thousand different ways of mm. doing it. But what people are generally quite good at when it's consensual non-monogamy is talking about what that means. And that's probably why you have such, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm putting words in your mouth, but you probably have such an amazing experience being non-monogamous because yeah. you have open communicative relationships with people who understand themselves and know very clearly what they want. I mean, not always, because okay, you also have yeah. people who are trying non-monogamy for the mm -hmm. first time and are like, complete shit show yeah. <laughs> being like hey i don't understand boundaries yet but want to date me like yeah. that's sure yeah. but generally Do you yeah, have to really set nice. clear boundaries yes you are always setting clear boundaries i don't tend to sit down with someone and have like an official like this is what this is what's going on but i mean that's hot i don't know why you wouldn't oh i have <laughs> the done, list i have no, done before don't worry like <laughs> it was it did not end well yeah <laughs> but, it can, but that can that can go Nothing really turns well for me people. on like a list ruby I do actually. I love oh, a list. I love a list so. as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even so, when I first became non monogamous and was dating someone, we did like textbook polyamory and I read all the books and I was like, I know how this works. Cool. We're going to do this and this and this and this. And I kind of did everything that the books were telling me to. And yet, still, 
when that relationship ended, I realized that both of us had been on really different pages and we'd still not communicated right. properly about what it was we needed. So it takes time. If you mm. are interested in non-monogamy, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna change overnight. This is mm. me three years in, four years in. And now this feels like my normal life. This is just like a part of my everyday. This is my version of normal. And so it doesn't feel like this scandalous, like, oh my God, I'm doing this thing or you're doing this thing. And I've also currently, because me and my partner are very busy people, mm. my relationship looks a lot more monogamous than other ones I've had in the past. But it's the it's the mindset that we are in mm. that changes it. Like we still date other people together and separately, but that doesn't happen as much this year just because we've both yeah. been and I suppose so much that's stuff. Those are all the rules you have to put in place, isn't it? Like, are you just going to sleep with them? Are you going to date them? Uh, is there a difference between being in a polyamorous and a non-monogamous relationship? For me, there is. Yeah. And again, like, this is my definition. I'm not, I'm not yeah. like messiahing. This but this is your point. It's like yeah. everyone's definition yeah, is Yeah, you've got to figure so, out what it is yeah. for you. So I've been polyamorous and I now say non-monogamous because polyamory is like many loves. And mm. I have done that. I've been in love with more than one person at once. I've dated like long-term more than one person at once. It's lovely. It's beautiful. It's like a roller coaster, and sometimes it's yeah, really God, hard. That's just really like, amazing. But, but what it is is it's a lot of admin, and it's really emotionally draining. I so I I don't have the capacity to even think about doing that right now because I've just got too many other things. Like yes, I have to prioritize yeah. other things. There will be a point when I have a bit more time again in the future. And then I kind of want to do that. Like I was in a nice little thruple a couple of years ago, which was so much fun. And I would really like to recreate that with my partner. And I know it's something that they're interested in doing. So further down the line, there might be a time when we're like, cool, let's look for someone it up. to like, yeah, to sort of envelop and like be a part mm. of and eh, all that nice stuff. But for me right now, non-monogamy looks like... Uh, a relationship that at first glance looks quite conventional and similar to friends of mine who are in monogamous relationships, but both of us are non-monogamous. We both date people separately and together. And I really like doing both of them. I think ah, yeah. I've been in relationships before when like you only date people together or sleep with people together. I've been in relationships where it's only really separate, but I think because we're part of like a sex positive, like sexy poly-ish community yeah. it kind of means that the lines are blurred like it's less important to be really black and white about it being like I am going on a date right now it's like mm. I'm gonna hang out with this person and like yeah we've slept together but this is just a nice fun flirty environment I, mm. and rather than I kind of think about the other people that I date or sleep with or hang out with as sort of friends who are sexy rather than a date Right. If you start dating someone, then there's always the reality and the likelihood that you will stop dating them. Whereas if you are a sexy friend with someone, that friendship can evolve and change and you can be sleeping together and then you can stop sleeping for, with each other for a while. And then like it, it just it's more nuanced and I enjoy Make that. Make sexy friends. Do you sexy like, friends are great. I like sexy friends as a thing. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you do you identify like yourself as non-monogamous or do you identify or is the relationship that you're in non-monogamous because I've been confused by this because I had a friend who was like I identify as polyamorous and I was like I don't understand that because I thought that you would I, I don't this is why I'm asking you because I don't know mm -hmm. but I was like I thought that you'd say that you're the relationships you're in were polyamorous ones rather than saying I am yeah. polyamorous I guess that 
So I think you should think about it as an individual as well as in a relationship because there are lots of people who are poly or non-monogamous who aren't in relationships. Mm -hmm. And so they're like single, but being non-monogamous or poly, Mm -hmm. that's super important. I also, I don't know, I kind of flit around. So there are some people who can identify as polysexual, which is like more of a sexual identity that being involved with more than one person is a really important like fundamental core of their sexuality and I probably fit a little bit in there I don't know I my relationship is non-monogamous I am non-monogamous and I don't see that changing but I see that evolving a lot and I don't I think you know if you identify one way today tomorrow yeah it will change different and it's nice but yeah i just wondered if like that was something that you can say is your kind of sexual identity or i i I don't think it's my sexual identity because it's not as oh it's not as no it's not as simple but it's but it is something it's a a sexual aspect to me like i regardless of if i am actively dating or sleeping with more than one person i think i'm going to have a non-monogamous mindset for the rest of my life yeah Yeah. because i like just because it's helpful because it means that you're not relying on one person for all of this energy and companionship and stuff in your life. You can kind of like look around, shop around a bit. It's fun. That's fascinating. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I have a few questions here. <laughs> these are I'm from, excited. Yeah, Hello. these are from, we put the uh, social media call out um, if people wanted questions to be asked of Ruby of their own. And we've picked three, which we thought were quite interesting. All of whom re- uh, preferred to stay anonymous. Guys, this is a sex positive podcast. <laughs> no, be anonymous if you want to be anonymous. That's I mean, okay. be anonymous if you want to be anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, first one. Are all fetishes valid? Where do you draw the line? Well, not not at incest. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Clearly. Made very clear today. Yeah, I love it. Oh, Are I they all that. valid? Where do you draw the line? I don't think there's a line fetishes are interests there's there's a difference between what you're into and what you act on and I think that most things can be acted on in a consensual way and in a fantasy reality so if you're interested in cannibalism I do not recommend that you act on that but there are ways that you could you could role play or create a scenario where that really you really get a lot out of that without actually eating a human. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> yes. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Loud and clear. So, so you can be into that, but that doesn't mean you're going to go off and do it. That there's yeah. not a shame attached. There's no, all of them are valid in the sense that there's no shame there. Yeah. But some have legal restrictions, which we would strongly advise yeah. you not break. Legal restrictions and moral restrictions mm. as well. And both of those will change as well. That's what's super interesting. 600 years ago it was perfectly fine for someone maybe not maybe more than 600 800 years ago it was kind of cool okay if you fucked a goat like right. it was it was like maybe oh 600 years ago there we go that's okay that's normal and yeah. so not only have the laws well the moral the morality around bestiality has changed which has informed the law if we look at the age of consent as well that has changed mm. 200 years ago in the UK, it would have been totally normal to be like married at 13 and having sex and having kids. Mm. Now, we would not, that would be a safeguarding issue. We mm. would not consider mm. someone to, like getting married at 13 is not going to be, mm. it's not legal. 
Mm. Speaking of the bestiality thing, I was looking up. I just, I just want to bring it back to I bestiality. Just, I bring, yeah. <laughs> no, because I was looking up. I don't know why. Every time with you and the bestiality. I know, it's hard. I, just, I can't help it. Get your time machine. Go back 800 years. Do what you <laughs> want to. No, I don't I know wish why. I could do a goat noise. What's a goat noise? Um, there's that, didn't there? Wasn't there like laughing? Not now, Roisin, because I'll do it. Um, <laughs> I was looking up the. This is <gasps> What were you doing? Shut up! No, shut up, because this is serious. I was, <laughs> I was looking up the tears of like um, when someone's been arrested for having child pornography, right? Mm-hmm. I was looking up the, the tears of like severity, yeah. and it was like the, the absolute top, like worst thing that they could have, um, and like was bestiality was in that category and i just found that so fascinating you mean bestiality combined with With, i don't know if it was with children but that was like i think it was combined but that was the thing that was the most shocking and the most um illegal yeah and i don't know i I agree yeah i know it's just children and animals can't consent so let's just like leave that where it is let's just not do don't that, do anything please. there because those yeah i just i don't know why i just like because to me i'm just like children i'm like that how is that not the absolute you know top. What I mean? yeah yeah, yeah totally. but it don't, oh, why did i bring it up no it, but this but is you're super right they can't consent so mm. they should be at the top mm. yeah i don't know do you have so a yeah. second one all, oh, yes. all fetishes are totally valid yeah but it's the way that you exercise them um <laughs> this is a plain and simple one period sex please explain i just do not get it <laughs> help help me help so i am really pro period sex i think it's great mm-hmm. um it's not it's up to you what you want to do if you're not into it that's totally fine if you don't own a menstruating body and you are not into period sex that's okay you just need to be delicate about the ways delicate and upfront about the ways you communicate that with your partner if they menstruate Mm-hmm. so like if I'm dating someone and they're like I'm just not really into it that's not the end of the world it might be for me and in which case we're not compatible partners but it's like they're allowed to not want to do that it's not someone is immediately like not feminist or not a good sexual partner if they don't like a certain thing the responsibility then is about how it's communicated mm. but if you want to have period sex you want to get a nice pink or dark colored towel obviously I'm going to say pink um a maroon i'd say a, a maroon, maroon is a really safe bet as well yeah, yeah. my pink towel is now maroon in some yeah. parts <laughs> it's a nice mixture me and my housemate both have matching pink towels and we keep like you're like that she's like there, that's rude there are many hijinks around like who which uh, which stain can we identify that means that this is my towel <laughs> i'm conscious that we're running out of time so i don't think we should ask the we can ask the last question if you want. I can give a really quick answer. Oh, I think it has to be asked. Yeah, go on. It has to be asked, <gasps> which is on topic. Mm-hmm. I'm scared of assholes, literally. How do I get past the poo fear? Because I'm kind of curious. Okay. So most important thing, if you penetrate an asshole, there is not immediately poo there, which is a common <laughs> misconception. <laughs> So the rectum, unless you are like about to poo or currently pooing, is not going to have poo in it. There might be a a tiny, tiny bit. And if there is, you just deal with it. That's fine. If you're going near an arse, you can like poo poo exists there. We have to just be real about that fact. And it's okay. Be with a partner who you can laugh with and you can can be real with. But it's not, I don't really, 
I don't tend to douche if I'm engaging with anal play and my partners don't either. Very rarely has there been a minor poo incident. Mm. Like most of the time, it's totally fine. And everyone just, if you haven't done it before, the expectation is that just like, Oh, so it's, you're it's, immediately going to shit yourself or someone's yeah. going to shit on you. And like, it doesn't really happen like that. It's organic. Organic product. Yeah. You know, I think there's worse things that we come in contact, you know, just running, just um, being on the tube in London. Yeah. You've probably got more germs holding onto the pole than someone's inside awesome. someone's bum bum. Bum bum. Bum bum. Roisin. Can I ask the last question? It depends what it is because I have a more important one. Go on. It's not necessary. Which one were you going to ask? No. Nah. <laughs> Go on. I know because I've wanted to ask you. Yeah, sorry, honestly, I've wanted yeah, to ask you, you have, this question you like literally since we made the podcast because okay. you were you were censored on Instagram. And I, I was, and I just thought that was ludicrous. Yeah, no, I would think it was bastard. I thought that was ludicrous, and I wanted to just find out from you what you think caused that censorship. Um, what kind of interactions you had with Instagram to lift that ban, and mm-hmm. yeah, how you went about it and how it affected you and your work basically yeah so in may i my instagram account was removed with no warning absolutely nothing and it it was really shocking it felt kind of like a weird grief because so much of the community that i love and communicate with exists online Mm. so to be denied that was scary Um, i couldn't log into any instagram account on my phone it like so my number was kind of tracked as well it was really weird and uncertain and i got a very vague explanation around it like me breaching community guidelines which I hadn't done I was more I was much more naked online than I am now because I'm really careful about it now but I was not breaching any of the guidelines it was like there were like emojis or pasties or stuff in the in the bits that Instagram can be scared of always and how did I that was just a tiny little bit <laughs> just a tiny one. can I uh, keep it in how did I get it back I got lots of people to report it so without your uh, because your instagram account wasn't there how did you do so that? i asked loads of friends offline mm-hmm. um some some of whom have quite big followings to be like and who their followers would like knew mm. me as well mm-hmm. to report it and that definitely helped in terms of getting people's attention that's a really good thing to do and i also this was at a time when a lot of sex worker accounts and sex positive accounts were getting taken down mm-hmm. and so there was an amazing dom on twitter who whose account was taken down on Instagram, got it back. And then she asked, uh, she did a call out for like a list of all the other people's accounts that had been taken down because she had a link with someone at Facebook and she sent that over to them. Um, So that may have got it back for me. I also went down the regular routes. Instagram is so notoriously difficult to contact and get in touch with. Mm. So it takes a lot of digging to figure out how you communicate and contact with them. You need to prove that you are the person who owns the account Mm. and then they can kind of investigate it a little bit for you. But that can be a dead end as well. It was just, it was a couple of days of just like frantically doing everything I could, reading all of the Reddit forums about taking it down. But I think it was either because people reported me or because bots detected nudity uh, and didn't like it. But it's more likely that it was it were people reporting me. Damn those people. And what it just so happened that there were a lot of sex worker accounts at the same time that were taken down by people reporting? I or? think it was a little bit of a crackdown. I think, I mean, it's increased, it's happening more and more, but I think over the summer, I really felt it happening a lot with the people that I engage with on Instagram and follow and like and I'm friends with, that loads of people were getting taken down who were sex positive, often femme, often queer, 
and it's it just a... it just feels really gnarly when you get so much mm, out yeah. of that space but also it's so not made for you that's well, such we're... a good word to say gnarly because it is you you do teach I, I've, I've learned a lot from your Instagram and like Instagram is like a platform that so many of us use now and it's like really amazing that you're putting that content out there and sharing it and I really really appreciate it and Thank I'm glad you. I'm glad you got it back yeah me, me too yeah yeah thank god thank you so much for talking to us we've covered incest bums bum holes incest. goats incest many things <laughs> incest. and i would thoroughly recommend if you're not already going on and following ruby on instagram because she will brighten up your day and everyone is welcome is, oh yeah is the sense that i yeah. get everyone and anyone it's not just for Fem people, it's for everyone, all ages, all like blah, whatever. I just, I want Whoever you. Whoever you are, yeah. Aww. Thank you. I want you all. You're very welcome. Yeah, thank you, Ruby. What a delight. Yay! Yay! Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Harness. We're proud supporters of Rafiki Mwemar and the Carly Ryan Foundation. If you'd like to know more about these amazing charities, please visit the show notes. Thanks for listening.